welcome to sit over here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me let me pray for our time, and we will uh, we'll dive into Luke, the last chapter of Luke. Father, thank you for uh, your grace and mercy that you revealed to us through your Son. Um, you you provided for us all that we needed through your Son. We we needed righteousness and forgiveness and you you brought us that we thank you for his resurrection and what it means to us the the hope that it gives us and um, i pray that your spirit would guide us through this time in your word that it would um it would bring you the honor you deserve and and would edify us in christ's name we pray amen so we are we're in the last chapter of luke um, it's actually going to be the last chapter begins the last section of Luke where he's, he's commissioning his disciples is really what we're going to see as we go through this. There was a question that came up in last week's lesson and so I want to spend a little bit of time backtracking and it, it concerns this comment from, from Mark um, in where, where Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the interpretation that I had made is that um, when Jesus bore our sin on the cross, that that separated him from the Father. And that's what he meant, why, by, why he quoted Psalm 22, um, why he was forsaken or abandoned that his fellowship with the Father was broken. Um, He didn't cease to be the second person of the Trinity during that time. He still was the Son, but he just didn't have full communion with the Father. Um, But it was only for three hours. The restoration is shown by the end of the darkness the earthquake that opened the tombs, and then the the renting or tearing of the veil from top to bottom. So the the three hours of darkness was not, it was just that temporary period when the fellowship was broken. There's an alternate interpretation that Stephen brought up last week, and the alternate interpretation is that when Jesus was quoting Psalm 22, 1, where he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was really quoting the entire song. And there's actually a theological term for that. I don't know what it is. You probably know what it is. Yeah, Bo was telling me there's a theological term that, that is, that's where when someone quotes a passage, they're really quoting the entire chapter. But I don't know. I don't know what it is. But that that is a... Um, out there, and that the the Trinity, the triune relationship of God was not broken when Jesus bore our sin on the cross. And that, I don't disagree with that statement, that, you know, Jesus was still the second person of the Trinity. And um, it's just when he bore our sin, I, I feel like there was some loss of fellowship. Now, how, how, 
big was that loss of fellowship is up for debate. So if you have questions about that, see me after class or and we, we can talk about it more. Yes. That's right. That's right. And because the Holy God could not look in upon the sin, so he take his face away that Jesus buried alone when Je when Jesus expecting the Father ever been right. to to bury that part of that tremendous weight. That, that's the way I interpret that passage as well. Now, there is a the question of well, can can Jesus I mean, can God the Father have fellowship with sinners? And obviously, he can communicate with sinners. There's no question about that. And, um, but can he fully commune with them? And that, that's kind of the, the question that you have to ask yourself. So, Again, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I did want to point out that there is this alternate interpretation. So stepping back to Luke 24, this is where he's beginning his commissioning of the disciples. Uh, it'll be the whole chapter where he's doing that. On the, uh, the first three verses read, But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. So who is the they? It's actually a group of women, primarily. Uh, we, they're the ones that are identified. He identifies them later. Uh, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of, of James. It's actually and Salome, the, the mother of James and John, was included by Mark. Um, and she had witnessed the the crucifixion. So that, that's the they. And um, why had they come to the tomb? Well, it says uh, they're bringing spices. They came to complete the burial process. Uh, they cover the body with spices. This really it mitigates the smell of decay is, is a lot of it. It doesn't prevent the decay. Um, what did they find? They found a big surprise, right? So they found an, an, a tomb that's open. So this rock, you know, we all think of this, the tomb being sealed with a stone. It's not just a little boulder. It's a, it's a big stone, and it, it would take several people with, levers and, and whatnot to, to move it. It probably is well over a thousand pounds. Um, so they would roll the stone with levers back and then put a wedge in to hold it, to hold it open. They're surprised that it's open, but then they also are surprised because the body's not there. So
In John, he records this. It says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So John adds some further information that Luke didn't record, um, that Mary Magdalene immediately ran back and told Peter and John that the body had been taken, taken to some unknown location. She doesn't know where they've laid him. Stepping back to Luke, while they were perplexed about this, Behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. So what, is, what does it mean that they were perplexed? I, I picture my, my dog doing this, you know. He's, he's cocking his head back and forth because he doesn't understand what I'm wanting him to do. Well, they're... they're they don't understand what's, what's happened. You know, perplexed or puzzled, they didn't understand what they found. You see, if someone had came in to, to rob the grave, they don't take the body. The body doesn't mean anything to them. They come in and take whatever valuable things are in there. Um... And, you know, you could think, well, animals can, could have been in there and taken, drugged the body away. Well, they can't open the tomb. You know, this stone that had been in front of the tomb, they couldn't have moved it. So something unusual happened. Well, then they get this appearance, right? It says these two men... They're in dazzling clothes. Um, the other gospel accounts talk about them being angels. So we, you know, then, then they're going to hear from them. And as they were frightened and bowed their heads to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the, and on the third day rise. So their reaction is fear, right? I mean, it says they're frightened. But then what did they recognize about these two men? They weren't normal men, were they? Because they bowed to the ground. So they recognized them as spiritual beings of some type. You know, I don't know if I actually saw an angel. I'm not sure I would recognize them as angels. But you probably would know there's something very different about them. Well, that's what they see. They bowed with their faces to the ground. It's in fear or reverence. Um. Well, then these, they, these two men give them a mes message, right? There's several points in this message. 
they start out by asking, why do you seek the living among the dead? What is that implying? He's not dead. He's alive. And then they bluntly tell them, he is not here, he is risen. And then they point out that, hey, he told you that he's going to be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, he's going to be crucified, and he's going to be raised on the third day. This is the third day. Why are you looking for him? I mean, that's basically what they're telling them. Why are you looking for him here? He told you he wouldn't be here on the third day, that he'd be risen. Matthew adds in, in his gospel, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. So Matthew includes more information. He tells us, how did this tomb become open? Well, he clearly explained it. This earthquake occurred, an angel of the Lord rolled the stone back and sat on it. And then these, his appearance caused these soldiers to collapse like dead men. I mean, these, these are hardened soldiers. So this was a supernatural event to open that tomb. Going back to Luke, and they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. So how did they respond to the words from the angels? Well, they, they, it prompted them to remember what Jesus had told them. And they quickly returned to Jerusalem to tell the disciples and the other followers, to all the rest, would be the other followers of Jesus, to tell them what had happened. He really did rise from the dead, like he said he would. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale. And they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. So the, the apostles didn't believe them, did they? An idle tale, that it's, they, that's like a story that is made up. They, they just don't seem to understand. They don't believe it, even though Jesus had told them he would rise. They dismissed the story. Maybe they thought it was wishful thinking.
But Peter took a little action. He, he must have thought, I at least need to check out this story. So he runs to the tomb and looked in. And then it said he went home marveling. It's like he's wondering what had happened. He saw the grave clothes there, but the body was gone. I don't understand, is basically what he's saying. He doesn't fully understand it. John tells us a little more of what happened. Um, So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. So John adds quite a bit to, to Luke's account of this. Um, not only did Peter run to the tomb, but Peter and John ran. John outran him. You know, I, Peter'd be like BJ and and Jeremy's John, so he out he outran you. Sorry, BJ, but he would outrun any of us. Um, he outran him. He got there first. John looked in, but Peter, he was the first to go inside the tomb and recognize that something had happened. Or John was. John was the first to believe this miracle that Jesus was alive, raised from the dead. John went on to record, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where they have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he has said these things to her. 
So Mary witnessed some extraordinary things that caused her to believe. What, what did she see? At first she saw the two angels. They questioned why she was crying, and she said, well, they've taken him away. But then Jesus appeared. She didn't know who it was at first, but when he called her by name, she recognized him. Maybe it's the way he said it. God revealed to her. I, I, we don't know exactly, but she recognized he was Jesus. He instructed her to go to the disciples, tell them the good news, and she immediately did. Going back to Luke, said so that very day, two of them, so this is another scene, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles, it's about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So, so what's the next scene? You've got two of his followers. They're walking to Emmaus. Perhaps that's where they lived. It's, it's about seven miles, so it's, you know, it's two or three hour walk. It's not a, a big deal. They're talking about what had happened. While they're talking, Jesus begins walking with them, but they're prevented from recognizing him. I think it's a God thing. God prevented them from recognizing him. So why are they heading to Emmaus? I mean, the festival wasn't over in Jerusalem. From their discussion, we're going to see they're confused by what has happened. I think they were expecting the conquering king. And so they're disappointed or perplexed at least. And so he didn't do what we thought he was going to do. He didn't free us from Roman oppression. I think it's left them disappointed. And he, Jesus, he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? So they're, they're walking along, and, and Jesus asks them what they're talking about, and it's a startling enough statement that they stop walking. 
I think they stopped and looked at him and it's like, don't you know? Are you the only visitor who doesn't know what happened? They're really surprised um, that he wouldn't know what happened. I wonder if, if he actually smiled at them because it happened to him. It, it would have been easy for them to, do I not know? I, I know exactly what happened. It happened to me. But, but they didn't know who he was. And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priest and ruler delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and beside all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. So they respond to his question by explaining, well, here's what we found. Here's the problem we've got. They summarized his ministry. They said he was a prophet who was arrested and crucified. They'd hoped he was the Messiah, the one who would redeem or rescue Israel. I think they're focused on rescue from Roman oppression. They, they acknowledge it's the third day and that some had claimed he had, he had raised. They, they found the tomb empty and, and they said that Jesus was alive. But they sound disappointed because Jesus hadn't met their expectations. The problem was not with what Jesus had done. The problem was with their expectations. They didn't have the right view of what Jesus came to do. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So he responds by pointing out that the Messiah had to first be the suffering servant before he could be the conquering king. He used the Old Testament, the, the law and the prophets to show that the Messiah had to redeem mankind spiritually before he could rescue them physically. I think he explained passages to them like 
Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53 to reveal how the Messiah had to suffer. And so they went near to the village to which they were going, Emmaus, and he acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened. And they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. So, so what's the scene here? They're arriving in Emmaus. The, the two men are they're practicing the hospitality of the culture. It's toward evening. You don't send a a stranger out on the road at dark, it would be dangerous for them. Um, he plans to go further, but they beg him actually to stay with them. Then they dine together. And as Jesus broke bread and gave it to them, their eyes were opened. Maybe they saw the, the nail scars on his hands. I'm not sure what it was, but I think it was more than just that. I think it was a supernatural act of, of God's Spirit to reveal to them who Jesus was. They recognized him at that point as the suffering servant who had redeemed them. I think their eyes were opened not to just who Jesus was, but I think their eyes were opened to what Jesus had done for them, that he had taken the penalty for their sin. And then Jesus disappeared. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? while he opened to us the scriptures. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. So what does it mean that their hearts burned within them? it's a it's a it's an excitement it's like an adrenaline rush it caused them to have this deeper understanding of God's word and then this the spiritual growth that they're experiencing as they understand scripture it brought them joy and it also motivated them to serve God So how did they respond to this new understanding? 
Well, they did exactly what he told them to do, right? He told them, hey, go tell, tell them about it. And they, they quickly did. They sought to spread the good news. They returned to Jerusalem. It was probably during the night. They found the disciples and told them about their encounter with Jesus. What had happened while they were gone? It said, the Lord has risen indeed, has appeared to Simon. So evidently, while these men are traveling, Jesus had appeared to Simon Peter. Uh, This is the only mention of it in the gospel accounts. Paul does mention it in 1 Corinthians 15 when he's talking through the list of of people that witnessed the resurrected, arisen Jesus Christ, and Peter's mentioned then. Uh, These men share their story of encountering Jesus on the road and how they recognized him when they broke bread. 1 Corinthians tells us quite a bit about resurrection, and so I wanted to to speak through this. Um, But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. If Christ has has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who had fallen asleep in Christ are lost. And if, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. So what are the reasons that Paul gives for the importance of the resurrection of the dead? He lists quite a few here. Um, If you don't believe in resurrection, which was the point that he was addressing, there were some that didn't believe in resurrection. If you don't believe in resurrection, then Jesus wasn't raised from the dead. And then he says, well, if, if there's no resurrection of Jesus then the gospel message is useless. He's pointing out how important to our faith the resurrection is. Without the resurrection, those who preach the gospel are liars because it's, it's an essential belief of the gospel. Without the resurrection... Says your faith is useless. You're not forgiven. You're still guilty of sin. 
The resurrection is proof that God accepted the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on our behalf. So what what are some principles from this lesson? Well, Jesus physically died on the cross, and he was raised from the dead on the third day. We also see that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is an essential belief. Without the resurrection, we have no hope. And then he also see that spiritual growth should motivate us to serve God. So what are your essential beliefs about Jesus Christ? We, should, we need to believe that there was a virgin birth, right? Why is that so important? He didn't inherit sin nature from Adam. If he had an earthly father, he would have inherited that sin nature that came from Adam. So the virgin birth is an essential belief. He had to be fully man. If he wasn't fully man, then his death wouldn't have accomplished our redemption. He had to be fully God, right? Why is that important? Yeah, he lived a holy life. He said he was one with the, the Father, so if he wasn't fully God, then he, didn't, he wasn't telling the truth. He had to live a holy life because otherwise he wouldn't have been the perfect sacrifice. He would have been sinful like any of us and deserving of death himself. He couldn't have been the substitute for us. He had to have fully died on the cross. He had to physically die. Well, the wages of sin is is death. Without really dying, then he wouldn't have been the sacrifice for us. And then the passage we, we talked about from Corinthians He had to be raised from the dead. It was proof that God accepted his sacrifice on our behalf. Those are essential beliefs about Jesus Christ. Um, How are you serving God? See, those two men on the road, I think... Their life was transformed by what they heard from Jesus. He explained to them the scriptures, and then they recognized that he was risen. Their life was changed. And they immediately ran to Jerusalem. I don't think they just walked back. They hurried back and to tell others, 
what they had observed. How are you trusting God to equip you to serve Him? You see, God doesn't just call those that are equipped to serve Him. He expects us to step out in faith and then he will equip us to do what he's called us to do. But we have to trust him. We have to be willing to take that step and answer the call to serve him. Any closing thoughts or questions? Yes, ma'am. Um, I just love the picture of all the, all the times that people didn't recognize Christ and how that kind of um, just paints a picture of our regeneration and how our very belief in what we believe in is a gift from God and not of ourselves. And, you know, they could be out there bragging, oh, we saw Jesus first, but they didn't even recognize him to begin with, and he gave them that as a gift. He veiled their eyes and then uncovered them. And to me, that's just another picture of our... our yeah, I think it's experience. in John where it talks about how um, the Spirit needs to draw us, mm -hmm. and I think that's what you're seeing, right. is that, that drawing, God revealing truth. You know, I, I often wonder about what did Christ really look like when he was resurrected? You know, his, the scars on his hands were there and on his feet, and he had the spear in his side, but he endured a whole lot more punishment than that. And so... I, I wonder what the rest of his, you know, how his back looked. And he had been beaten. His face had to have been swollen and, and bruised. And, uh, but God may have miraculously healed that. I don't know. Uh, scripture is silent on it. Let me close our time in prayer. Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, that he was willing to take on our sin, to die on the cross, but, but then be raised. You raised him from the dead, proving that you accepted his sacrifice on our behalf. Father, thank you for the redemption you provided and you've revealed to us through your word and with your spirit. Father, help us to spread that good news to others, to be excited, to have that burning within us that we want to share with others what Jesus Christ has done for us that you would be glorified and your, your gospel would spread. We pray these things in the name of the risen one, the Lord Jesus Christ.
Amen. Thank you all.